Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Dr. Sandy Scott-Nicky. She is the founding director of the Bay Dermatology Center and is assistant professor at the University of Toronto. Today, we're discussing her book, Beyond Soap, the real truth about what you are doing to your skin and how to fix it for a beautiful, healthy glow. So, Dr. Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. So, what inspired you to write this book? Well, um, I've been a dermatologist for over 20, 20 years now, and um, my subspecialty interest is allergic reactions to things that touch the skin. We call this term contact dermatitis in, in medicine. And what I've noticed over the last decade at least, and all of my colleagues within this subspecialty, um, we're just seeing an increase in the number of people who are reacting to their personal care products. And really unbeknownst to them. They often blame it on food. And uh, when we point out that it could be, you know, an ingredient in their skincare, in particular shampoos were a big problem over the last few years, they don't seem to equate the two. And I think there's um, a disconnect with the public. And we can't, as physicians, in particular dermatologists, educate everybody that well because it's there's just not enough of us. So I thought I'd write a public, um, like a book for the public, a popular science book to help disseminate the message. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad that you've written this, and I I think that the you know you're not the only one seeing a rise in in allergies. There's there's a rise mm-hmm. in in everything everywhere, but of course you're focusing on the skin, so we are going to talk yeah. about that today. Well, actually, but <laughs> there is a connection, and and uh, yeah, but we can we can get to that. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah, if we definitely allergies. will. Yeah. Um, it, so, so first, let's just talk about um, the importance of the skin for our bodies. I know people always talk about it in terms of how they look, and you know they're worried about mm-hmm. certain wrinkles or or coloration. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think it's more important than just how it looks. Can you just tell us what it what it does? Well, what's, what the, if I could digress for a sec? When I wrote this book, my I think you you know we already. Um, discussed why I wrote it, but what happened when I started to research for it, when you do a project like this, you start wide and then you go narrow, and I learned so much, and, and what I learned, like I've always known that skin is amazing, um, it's our largest organ, but when I really started to read about all the aspects of um, the research in the last 20 years with respect to allergy, and we sort of alluded to that, it's not just skin allergy, it's like allergy to food and asthma, um, I realized that the skin is starting to be really foremost in all of these problems because our skin acts like a barrier. So it's, it's very helpful to think of your skin like a brick wall analogy. And this, the, the bricks are the, the outer uh, cells, the keratinocytes or cells of the skin. And then the mortar is the, the sort of lipids and these other things that sort of hold this brick wall together. And what happens when we, when we wash and we, just the act of water itself, um, and then you add detergent, we decrease the mortar. So we actually um, damage our brick wall, and our this brick wall is trying to keep um, irritants or chemicals out or allergens out and keep our water in and keep our um, keep us healthy. So 
like a permeable membrane, but our daily routines disturb it. So um, we we've seen a rise, and of course, how how clean we are, and this is a. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I guess you could talk about this more. You talk about it in your book. I mean, we understand what germs are, and we became very afraid of mm-hmm. them, and mm-hmm. and so w- what what has happened in terms of of cleanliness in our society? Well, this was a really fun fun chapter for me to do because I didn't really know anything about this, and. My editor suggested that we need some history on, you know, the beauty industry. How did we get to the point where we wash and clean every day? And and what I found was that, um, you know, it, it just the 1950 people bathed only once a week. It was it was really the advent of advertising. So um, the first beauty mass beauty product that was ever produced was soap, and that's ivory. Because it went from a, a commodity, which is just you went to your local grocery store and they and you, they cut off a block and they gave you some and there was no branding. So as soon as there was branding, and that was really the uh, the thought process of uh, the first um, family members that ran P and G, um, they linked uh, the the soap with a brand. And then what they started to do is they started to advertise. So as soon as they started advertising in about the fifties. Um, the the link was if you use soap you'll be beautiful. If you use the soap, you know, and the, the ads are actually hilarious. With, if you look back mm-hmm. at some of some of them, um, you know, use your soap for a supple, and you'll 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 find a rich man. Like they're 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 crazy ads. And so what happened was it went from a tool of hygiene, and and soap was remarkable. It saved thousands of lives during during the war. And then once we understood the germ theory and washing your hands before surgeries and washing your hands to prevent the spread of, of uh, colds and flus and seas. But when it was linked to beauty, it took off. It took off and, you know, indoor showers in 1950 and 60 were like less than 50% of North American households. And then it went and it just skyrocketed the production of soap. Um, so that's how sort of the patterns have cleaned. So now what's happened is we equate a daily shower and washing and our hair and everything and washing our kids every day with something that's healthy because we've been told to do this by advertising. But actually it's counter to the academic literature. Washing and cleaning too much is detrimental to your skin, in particular old-fashioned soaps that are, are pH balanced. So, I mean, this is interesting because what most people do, especially when they have a problem, is they'll they'll clean it more. Yeah. yeah. More. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll use more products and different products, which you talk about in yeah. your book, that, that then the products end up being the problem and then they use more of it mm-hmm. and, and yeah, they're going in this cycle. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. One thing you talk about as well is is the skin's microbiome, and I think that's important to talk about because we're so afraid of germs, but we don't realize yeah. how some some bacteria is, is beneficial. We know about our gut now; this has become a, th- a mm-hmm. thing, and I think people mm-hmm. understand that more. But but the rest of our bodies, I don't think we quite have that awareness of. Well, I mean, unfortunately, we're still in the the very early stages of the skin microbiome as far as research, but. What we do know is, uh, you already alluded to it, that the, the microbiome is the, the bacteria, viruses, fungus, and other organisms that live on us and in us. And they're critical to our health. And we're just starting to realize that in the last you know, 20 years. Um, I like this analogy with respect to, uh, well, the gut and the skin. 
uh, you think of your, so your skin has millions and millions and millions of bacteria or organisms, microorganisms, and they're there for a reason. Um, early on, they're there to train your immune system because your immune system doesn't know what's, what's uh, a good bacteria or a bad bacteria, so it has to be shown that through training. And then what happens later on is if you think of your um, skin microbiome, let's say, as a, as a movie theater, all the seats are occupied by good bacteria that are supposed to be there. And when you use antibacterials or you do things that potentially will remove those normal bacteria, you, you empty out seats. And that's when the resistant bad bacteria can come in. And that's, what, that's part of what we're seeing in the gut. And we don't know everything about the skin yet, but we do know that microbiome bacteria diversity is very different in diseased skin, like with patients with eczema or psoriasis. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I did a, a show earlier this year with, with Ann Bilkey, and she talked about the microbiome and her garden, which was really interesting mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everybody's, and this is the same analogy, you know, everybody's spraying pesticides in their in their gardens and wondering why things are dying. And what she did was actually yeah. feed all the bugs that were there. And then she had this beautiful garden and her neighbors couldn't get the same thing and they had the same soil. Mm-hmm. And, and I... Well, I I bring that up because what we're talking about is to have healthy skin would be, I would guess, to feed your own microbiome and have that healthy instead of killing it off. Well, that, that is part of it. Like, like I said, we just don't know right now. I think what's, what makes me more frustrated is, again, it's, a, it's another tool to, to make more beauty products and sell more stuff. But I'm trying to like look upstream. The upstream issue is water and cleaning and just our social norms. Like if we did that that differently, especially with our kids, um, if products were made differently that were pH balanced, because you need an acidic pH pH of the skin uh, to um, have a healthy microbiome. We don't understand all the workings of that yet, but our skin is acidic. And when the pH uh, goes up and becomes alkaline, it damages our ability of the skin to act as a barrier um, it doesn't work very well, and it probably is doing something to the microbiome. Um, yeah, no, the analogy of that is, is interesting, and that's, that's what we call with the garden there. That's what we call biodiversity. So it's not about good and bad. It's about having um, a diverse collection. And, um, you know, I, I, when I gave a talk on this, and I, I had this video, and I wanted to see how many people actually figured it out. So if you heard about the story of the, the wolves that were reintroduced into Yellowstone Park? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it changed the whole, it not only changed the animals, but changed the landscape, like the, the rivers and the plants. When you, when you don't have diversity, when you take away all the bad ones or you, or you have too many good ones, there's not a healthy balance, and it's the same with the gut and the skin. Um, the issue with the skin is we just don't we don't know everything yet. But I I do know this that we've definitely changed it with our modern modern grooming habits, and we've done it in an exponential uh, um, graph because really uh, your I'm not sure how old you are, but my great grandparents would have bathed once a week maybe, and mm-hmm. they would have sponged, and and this rapid change in how we've taken care of our skin and and really removed or changed. Uh, probably the microbiome, I think, has resulted in disease. And, and uh, that's what's been known as the hygiene hypothesis, or the bi- now it's called the biodiversity hypothesis. 
Well, and there has been a rise in in eczema. Um, you know, when yeah. um, when I was growing up, there there wasn't very much of it. And you talk about this in your book about how mm-hmm. how common it has become. And do you think that mm-hmm. there is a link to that and um, all these products and this cleanliness? Most definitely, yeah. I mean, it's not every dermatologist and academic agrees, but you know what? What I what I found was that um, again when I was researching for this book. I read so much outside of my own specialty, and you don't know what you don't know, and a lot of physicians work in silos. And what I realized was all the research that was going on with um, the skin barrier and um, the sort of, uh, you know, changes in the pH, which lead to this leaky skin, which can uh, potentially trigger uh, atopic dermatitis in patients who are genetically predisposed. So think of your skin like, like the ultimate barrier, and when um, you wash with a high pH soap, you damage that brick mortar, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so then it's leaky. And then allergens can come in, or just think of them as chemicals. And that can jumpstart eczema in people that already have a genetic predisposition, like say their mom had eczema or their dad had eczema. And that seems to be what's turning them on, on a lot of these people. And if you look at the incidence of eczema in children, in 1949, it was around 5%, and now it's just under 30. So when, when we look at patterns of disease, you can't explain that rapid increase genetically. I mean, genes don't, ra- don't change that fast. So there has to be an, econo- uh, an environmental um, component. And, in, you know, I was reading, I'm writing a, a book chapter on, on um, some of this now for a science book, and I went even deeper into the science. And... You know, there's a link just even with water. Water that um, decreases the mortar. And the more um, hard the water is, like if it's calc, it's, if it's got a lot of minerals, it, it uh, affects the pH. And that can actually uh, lead to eczema. So just the act of washing. And then, then you add detergent on top of it. Um, you know, I think uh, we have... It has a role to play. You know, medicine's not black and white, as you well know, but there is mm-hmm. definitely a role to play with how we clean ourselves inside and out. And this also, when I say inside, it means like your your food is clean, your your house is clean, your water's clean, and all of that. I mean, um, and, you know, when you tell people that, they're so adverse to, like, they get, they, all, they get all, like, I don't want, I can't shower daily. Oh, my God, that's gross. So, what do you say? Yeah. My, my, my lettuce has to be dirty. And there has to be a happy medium. It's not one or the other. And I think where we really need to make an impact is with the children because that's where we can make the difference. Well, well, we are seeing a change with the children, and, and there's so many things that, that are a component, and one of them is the pesticides I, I talked about on our food, which is killing all the bugs. So, um, mm-hmm. And then we've got, you know, also our own cleanliness, not just our bodies, but in our homes. So we're not using mm-hmm. natural cleaners, which is what my grandparents would have had access to. Now we have these chemicals that we're using, mm-hmm. and we don't understand what's that, what that is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, then, we're... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, our environment is too clean, and we don't have that balance of the bacteria that would that would deal with the bad bacteria anymore because we're mm-hmm. killing all of it, and we're doing that everywhere in our soil, in our homes, in our bodies. Yeah, I think some of it though is to look at it the other way around though too. So by re- what you're doing a lot is not targeting the bad bacteria by by um, using a lot of cleansers and things. You remember that empty seed analogy? You're actually removing the good ones. So yeah. that the bad ones have a chance to take their place. 
And that's what I try to tell patients. I think of it the other way around. Oh, I, if I don't wash, I'm going to get the, you know, get a bad infection. No, you, you're actually setting yourself up for a potential bad infection by over removing your good stuff because then, then the others, then there's empty seats. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes the light bulb goes off and, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I wanted to go back to uh, the food allergy, uh, sorry, the um, allergy aspect. We talked about a rise in, the, um, in atopic eczema. But uh, there was a recent paper published in April in, uh, in, immunology, in the immunology literature linking um, the decrease in the skin barrier in mice. It was a very detailed study in association with detergent that, um, and then the, the, this, um, the mice were sensitized to peanut um, and dust mite through the skin. So the, the thought process is that um, if you decrease that brick wall in babies or infants and then there's peanut allergy, there's, there's peanut around the dust, they can get sensitized through the skin. It's got that's mm. another pathway, and it's not just through the mouth, like through what they're eating. And that, to me, kind of made everything come full circle because, you know, we, we, we have this protective barrier, and, you know, we've been messing it up through cleansing, and there's, there's eczema, but now there's also the thought of food allergy. That, that's quite interesting. And I want to talk about that more. Um, so we'll talk about allergies when we get back from um, our quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Sandy Scott-Nicky, and we're discussing her book, Beyond Soap. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You 
are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Sandy Scott-Nicky, and we're discussing her book, Beyond Soap. So, um, Dr. Sandy, before the, the break, we you, you touched on um, the that if we are disturbing our, our skin and then come into contact with peanuts through the air, that can create an allergy. So, the, I found that really interesting because I, I know that there's a relationship with, with pesticides because that's also damaging our internal microbiome. But, of course, it does make sense that if we're disrupting our external, our, our skin's microbiome, that we're also mm-hmm. setting ourselves up for for this storm to happen. Yeah. Well, the problem is we don't. We're so early in 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 this research. It's and it's moving at light speed because it's a uh, it's pretty exciting because the skin is so easy to access to study, and um, you know some of the leaders in this are in California. Dr. Richard Gallo is a dermatologist, research dermatologist who. He just wrote a paper that showed that um, a normal bacteria on our skin called Staph epidermidis releases a peptide that actually can fight a bad bacteria called Staph aureus. And, I mean, we kind of know this. Bacteria and, and molds, and fung- like, they've been fighting each other. That's how penicillin was discovered, right? It was a mold fighting a ba- bacteria. They've been fighting each other for millions of years. So if you disturb that sort of army, those armies or those, Villages. I mean, you know, that's that that may be the trigger for some skin disease. Anyway, we don't we don't really understand. Well, you know, um, you you talk a little bit about a product in your book, but it's very similar to something I have in my home. Um, it, it's a a little machine that will put out a bacteria back into the air, and and I use it. Um, because I have animals and I want to just mm-hmm. recreate a, a balance with that. And and so it's basically reintroducing the bacteria that could be lost with um, overcleaning or whatever. And I find it very helpful. And um, so it, it's interesting that these things are coming up, that we have access to those now. Um, I also travel with this bacteria. So when I go on an airplane or Where do you, in a hotel. <laughs> where do you get the live bacteria? Yeah, it's called Better Air. And you can get units that go on your furnace. Um, I just mm-hmm. have one in my bedroom. Um, and then there's a little spray, so you can travel with the spray. So I spray it in my car, and I I, um, I travel with it. Uh, I spray it definitely in the airplane, because he told me about the studies they did in airplanes. And, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it makes sense that this is something that we need to now be reintroducing, because we've spent years killing it off, and our, our mm-hmm. fear of germs, once we, you know, understood germs, we started to go they're all bad and kill them and now we're going okay now yes. we've got super germs and super bugs and and we've got to get that balance back into our environment right right that's 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 the hard part trying to get people to to uh to see that because there's the fear aspect but yeah. uh you know and again if you write a book that's easy to read like one of the things that i really loved about the book and it wasn't my initial reason to write the book my uh was this whole sort of well, it's changed how I look at skincare. I don't, you know, it's changed how I wash my children. It's, you know, I, I, I you know, not all natural is good. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of natural is bad. 
uh, not all synthetic, you know, like it's just sort of these, so the things that we're trying to get across to patients, and we do it in a readable book, it can really help a lot of people. Um, yeah. And, and wade, wade through all the nonsense that's on the internet and Instagram. Yeah, which is which is a, an issue. So yours is your book is very simple to to understand. And and one thing you talk about is um, the the why these these products are causing an issue. So you said in, um, earlier that you specialize in in the allergy aspect of of dermatology. So what kind of things are you seeing um, that are you know on the allergy side? Well, um, again, if I could uh, digress for a second, a lot of times we'll have patients come in and um, they have had rashes for a while or they have reactivity and they're like, oh, so, you know, I did, I, all I use now is natural stuff. And so the first thing I want, and one of the things I wanted to get across in the book was that a chemical is a chemical, whether it's synthetically made or naturally made, and your immune system has to deal with it. And so you're, um, you can become allergic to something that's, that's plant-based. Like po- I always say poison ivy is natural. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. what we're seeing a lot of increases is reaction to natural-based skincare because it's not regulated very well. And, and essential oils in particular, they have many great benefits, but they can also, um, inside the essential oil, is hidden many allergens. And then, of course, you've got your, your, your synthetic fragrances or just fragrance in general. Um, and then some of the preservatives there, we had a, a, a huge, and we still are seeing a big reaction to a preservative called methyl isothiazone. Um, we short form it MI and then some formaldehyde preservatives. And then there, there are, uh, hair dyes and uh, lanolin and some nail products that, that are quite allergenic. That sort of rounds off the tops, the top categories, but the knee-jerk response by patients to go more natural when they have rashes, I think, is part of the issue and part of the thing that makes us frustrated as dermatologists because um, they can also cause allergy. Whether something is toxic is a different question. You know, is it good for the mm-hmm. earth? Can it be a hormone disruptor? But when, when we're talking just straight rashes, um, natural products can be ever just as problematic as, as synthetic products. Well, and, and that that's good to point out because, you know, sometimes when I, I have somebody come in and go, well, why can't I eat, you know, this certain food or this whatever, it should be good for me. And I have to explain, it doesn't matter um, if your body's mm-hmm. reacting to it, you're reacting to it and you need to stop. That's the bottom mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like the po- poison ivy's natural and they go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a plant. It's it's a beautiful plant. Oh, it's a green plant, but it can give you the worst rash around. No. Well, one thing I want to talk about is the beauty industry itself. Um, I think a lot of people assume that products out there will be safety tested and will be protecting them. Is is that the and you know somebody's protecting them from from issues? Is that the case? Well, I think uh, again, if we look at the, uh, I'll talk about the U.S. first. If we look at the U.S. The cosmetic and safety, sorry, what is it now? It's called the, yeah, the cosmetic, well, it's part of the Food and Drug Act. Um, uh, part of the, it's under the Food and Drug Act for the FDA. And, you know, it's interesting. They've updated the food aspect and drug aspect, but they haven't changed the uh, any anything to do with the, the personal care or the cosmetic act since 1938. <laughs> it's definitely changed since then. <laughs> Even yeah. just from listening and to this show, it, let alone what we just know, it's definitely changed. Right. 
So there were two senators, uh, California's Diane Feinstein and Maine Suzanne Collins, who introduced new legislation in 2015, known as, known as the Personal Care Product Safety Act. But it hasn't it hasn't moved. Um, it would give the FDA more more jurisdiction over what's in personal care products because as it stands now, the Cosmetic Act that was written in 1938 in the U.S. was um, uh, basically when soap production started to really increase and they, the, the government gave the running of it to the trade. So, so the beauty industry is regulated by the beauty industry. Now, if that's not the biggest, you know, conflict of interest. Now, they do have, um, some certain, you know, checks and balances within it, but it's, it's very hard. Like, you know, big companies don't want to be told what they can and cannot do. Right? Yeah. Um, in Health Canada, uh, it's under the Food and Drug Act, and, you know, there are issues. And it's interesting that there's, uh, what's her name now? She did a report, yeah, Julie Gelfin in 2016. She's the environmental commissioner, which is sort of a watch um, dog over the government. They're not, she's not an elected person. And uh, she had a report in 2016, you know, basically saying that there needs to be more um, regulations and disclosures of, uh, you know, placeholder ingredients like fragrance and perfume and flavor because when, on, on packages, because when you see fragrance on a package in Canada and in the U.S., you don't know what's in there. Like, that's another 20 or 30 chemicals that the consumer doesn't know. Part of that is governed by trade secrets, like what makes Pantene smell like Pantene. They don't want it uncovered, right? But mm-hmm. I think there has to be um, more disclosure of what's in those fragrance placeholder names because when we have a patient that's allergic to something, we can't tell them how to avoid it because it's not going to be written on the package. Right. Well, in our, our skin, it's still something we're putting in our body. And if food has to be labeled, I think things products that go on our skin. I, to be honest, I think everything should be. And this is even beyond the beauty industry. We know that there are 88,000 unrelated unregulated chemicals in our world and our off-gassing of our homes and um, and mm-hmm. retardants and that kind of thing. And um, we're being exposed to things that, that we don't understand what they're doing to us. And um, mm-hmm. this is one of those industries that, that really you know, safety should come first um, over, yeah. over you know, going, oh, it's our trade secret. Um, right. You know, I think our health is more important. Is, is the FDA has no jurisdiction right now on the on the cosmetic act right and in, right. in canada i don't know what's happening um we've tried to we've written to them a couple times uh, a group of dermatologists and you know said we need more you know um disclosure on fragrances and labels like they do in europe which i talk about in the book um but um uh nothing nothing is moving anywhere yeah. it, it's hard it's hard to, to go against the, the big lobby groups in the u.s i think and in Canada, um, I'm not yeah. sure why we have a change. So I want to talk about just the, the fragrance part, because I don't think everybody will understand. Um, you know, I, I read your book, so I know um, the term fragrance on a label. What does that mean? Okay. So... When if you wanna if you wanna produce a let's say you wanna start your you know beauty industry and you wanna produce a lotion, you've gotta 
go to a chemist or if you, you know what formula you want to, you, they, they put all these chemicals together and that's your, that's your formula, right, for the body lotion. And if you use, so there's, there's so many chemicals that you can choose from in the cosmetics database. And if you use certain ones that are considered to be fragrance molecules, then you can't label your product fragrance-free. You could label it unscented if the resulting lotion didn't smell. So you have fragrance molecules in your lotion, but when you smell it at the finished product, there's no smell, so you can label it unscented. Um, so fragrance-free in a label is supposed to be um, helpful. The way that some manufacturers, because now there's a push that a lot of people do want fragrance-free products, they get around it by putting in organic, like they'll put in, so I was just in the grocery store the other day, I picked up a bottle that said fragrance-free on it and it had lavender in it. That's not fragrance-free. Lavender, lavender has fragrance molecules. Mm-hmm. So the, the labeling is very frustrating. It doesn't, doesn't always help patients. Um, so fragrance on a label is, um, when you see that on a label, it could be another 30 ingredients, as we told, as I said. But it could also contain some botanical, uh, like lemon or lime or citrus, and still have a fragrance-free label. Well, okay, so I've, I, 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 that's also interesting as well. So you you picked up something that wasn't fragrance-free, but it said so. And I know from my experience, because I'm quite sensitive to a lot of things, that I will always smell something before I buy it because something will say unscented or fragrance-free, and it is definitely not. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I not only is it my own issues, but I work with people who are sensitive, so I can't mm-hmm. use any products that have mm-hmm. smells, <clears throat> as I'm sure you know. But it, it, I can't trust the label. I have to smell it to know. Part, yeah, and part of that is, again, people don't equate like, well, you know, lavender's not a scent or rose is a scent. Of course it is. That's, that's, you know, and they can make synthetic variations of that, but they're still chemically similar. You know, whether you, whether you have uh, the chemical structure of whatever rose sub-variety made in a lab or natural, it's still the same chemical. And that's still a fragrance, but people don't equate that. They're like, oh, well, uh, you know, and people will have rashes. Patients will have rashes and they'll say, are you, fra-? you know, you, I told you to go fragrance. You're, oh, yes, I'm doing everything fragrance free. And then I sit down and I go through their products and they're using something with essential oils. I had a patient last week who um, had these episodic, like severe facial swellings in eyes and her whole face. And um, she came from a distance. Uh, they happened periodically, maybe once or twice a month. And they were very debilitating. And I patch tested her, I allergy tested her, and she came up severely to ylang ylang. And do you want to know what she has in her house? What? A, a diffuser. Of course. So she dif- diffuses <laughs> essential oils. And she doesn't do it all the time. And she has never equated, like, because it, it's a delayed reaction sometimes, but with mm-hmm. each one it was getting more severe. But... Um, I got off track there, but anyway, fragrance is very complex and labeling isn't always helpful and you can't, you've got to also think that plants are fragrances. 
Well, and and I, I I think that's important that you brought up, even though she was using a diffuser, she probably thought it was uh, natural and didn't think about it. Yep. But also we, yep. you know, I, I counsel people every day, even if I, because um, I'm dealing with people who are, are chronically ill, and I don't know if they're, the chemicals in their home are bothering them. So I have everybody do a chemical detox and just change over to natural products, so that we're not adding to any issues. And um, it it's, uh, you know, it's very important to to do that anyway, because we don't know what these are doing to our bodies, but but also, you know, using those scents in your home and how many things we're exposed to, especially when there's no regulation on a lot of these products, they, they can, and as you say, be a delayed reaction. So we don't know that they're causing us harm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the regulation is, is a challenge. And, I, you know, I gave a talk uh couple months ago and I said, you know, hypoallergenic is not that well regulated and sensitive skin. And I had a, a patient, or a, a, sorry, a person in the, the um, audience come up and say, well, you know, hypoallergenic is regulated because there's a test in Health Branch Canada. And, and I'm like, well, yes, there is, but it's not, it's not good. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean they, they've done studies where, where uh, you know, they, they go and go uh, to the drugstore. This is a, you know, one came out of California and there was, I think there was one in Europe where they just go and buy a hundred products that say hypoallergenic or sensitive skin care. And then they actually examine all the ingredients and they all have allergens in them and things that are irritating. So how is that being regulated? I, what, it, what they try to do is they try to put less, um, but they don't always have to because it's not a regulated term um, mm-hmm. to the extent that it should be. So, you know, I yeah, find I, it frustrating. We get frustrated as dermatologists. Yes. Yeah, and I, you know, I un- I understand what you're saying. So there, there's um, that if it says hypoallergenic, it may still contain um, some of the the top chemicals that are um, allergens, and yeah, uh, just maybe a less crazy. component. Yeah, and yeah. so then you can like, buy something that says that and still react to it. Totally, and that's part of why 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 I have lots of people in my office because they, you know, I'm using all this, I'm using all that, I'm still having a problem, and I'm like, you know, pulling my hair out. You yeah. pick up a hypoallergenic <laughs> product and it's fragrance, and you're like, fragrance is the number one cause of allergic and irritant reaction. So how the heck can that product be hypoallergenic if it's got lavender or or, or fragrance or you know mm-hmm. lemon or lime or uh, yeah. I, and it it's a constant. Uh, trying to educate patients and uh, that's again part of the reason I wrote the book um, and you know it's interesting I, 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 what I've found because it's been out now since May is patients will come in and they go wow you know I didn't really know any of that and wow mm-hmm. that makes so much more sense and you know I'm not itchy anymore and I and, and, and it's that kind of thing that really is, is where the light bulb goes off and they realize I also talk about in the book the accumulation of everything because a lot of people have problems intermittently and that's what really gets people stumped well how come I'm okay some days and then some days I just have a bad reaction and I said mm-hmm. well it depends on all your products and if you think about everything especially females if you added your because your shampoo and your conditioner go over your face right so you add mm-hmm. those two products plus your cleanser plus your moisturizer and your concealer and this and that you add all that up this is about 300 chemicals or 400 chemicals and they all have to play nice together. And sometimes your skin's just like, oh, I've had enough. I'm and done. Yeah. Goes on strike. 
Yeah, you get a little burning. Yeah. And, yeah. and people want to know why. And we're like, because you're using 10 things. Yeah. And, um, well, and, and yeah. because that's just the way you are, you're reacting. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Sandy Scott Nikki, and we're discussing her book, Beyond Soap. We'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of return to peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Sandy Scott-Nicky, and we're discussing her book, Beyond Soap. Dr. Sandy, um, so we've talked about, um, you know, what the issues are with beauty products and the allergies that can happen. And in your book, you talk about a product elimination diet, you call us call it. So what is that? Well, um, so part of the reason, again, for writing the book was was the increase in allergic reaction. So the, pro- the only way to determine truly if you're allergic to something topically, now this has got nothing to do with what you're eating. So the only way to determine that is through a test called patch testing where you see the dermatologist or the allergist and they put the, the chemicals on the back. They're left on for 48 hours, take it off, and then another 48 hours you see if you have a rash. Um, and most people don't know that. That's the only way to determine if you're allergic to something. Um, and the problem with that test is it, it's very complicated for patients. I mean, they have to almost take a week off of work, right? It's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you can't bathe the whole time because you can't disturb the patches. So what I was finding was I was, over the 20 years of doing this, I was starting, my waiting lists were getting longer and longer because there's only so many people, so 
only so many dermatologists in Canada that patch test. And um, so I'd see these patients and I'd say, listen, and, and it's about probably 10 years ago, ago, I said, here's a list of products that don't have the top allergenic things in them. Because, you know, dollars to dimes, when I test you, you're probably going to come up to one of them, right? So it was a way of giving people something to try while they were waiting to be allergy tested. Because I would like to test people if possible. It's just very time consuming for them. And I have a, I'm only one person. So what I found was that if someone was allergic or getting irritated for something very common like fragrance or formaldehyde preservatives and stuff like that, if they removed it from their personal care products, and that means everything, head, face, body, and detergent, because what patients don't realize is that products aren't necessarily site-specific. Your shampoo, interestingly, won't affect your scalp in the, in, at the onset. It'll affect your face. So patients will come in and so I've had this face rash for like months and I've changed every, I, everything's hypoallergenic and I still have a problem. I'm like, what's your shampoo? So the list is, uh, and I, it was sort of a play on words, product elimination diet, like a food elimination. You eliminate everything, all your products. You can, don't throw them out, just put them in a box. You, you go from this list with respect to your head, so shampoo, conditioner, face, body, detergent. And then once you're better, you then can reintroduce products from your old um, group one per week. And then if you can't figure it out, then we definitely need to allergy test you because you may be allergic to something that's very common across all skin care. But, uh, and that's how it sort of came to be. A lot of dermatologists use my list um, and altered it slightly for their, you know, their fav- fav- favorite uh, fragrance-free and um, allergen-free products. But, um, and the part of the reason for this list too in this diet is because the, the, the labels hypoallergenic and sensitive skin can't be counted on um, by patients because they, do, they use those and they still have rashes. And that was part of the impetus to do the, the diet. Well, one thing you you talk about um, in that that diet part is that um, people will go looking for a product you recommend, and that you know the pharmacy won't have it, and so they're offered something else that's yeah. hypoallergenic, and then they're using the, you yeah. know something with scent in it, and so you're very yeah. specific on on what people can yeah. use. I think that's important, um, you know, just so that you can figure out what is the issue. Well, what's also um, fun, what's happening now is because you get a community through my website and, the, the, you know, people read the book there. I had somebody from Australia say, have you ever heard of, you know, this product? It has none of this and this and this and this in it. And then I, I can add it to the list, right? Because with the Internet, you can order things from anywhere. Um, and, and I've also had the reverse happen. People read, well, how about this stuff? Isn't this really good? I, I thought this was great. And I mean, well, it has... I'll send them back an email and say, no, it has this allergen and this allergen. It's hidden in the plant aspect, right? Um, and, you know, some of the pushback I've gotten about the diet is that, well, I don't have any problems with my skin and I can use whatever I want. And I've, I, don't, I don't have these issues you're talking about. And I'm like, that's great. But here's the deal. What happens when you do? <laughs> when you mm-hmm. do, you're going to go to the drugstore or Sephora or somewhere and, they're gonna, and you're going to get another product. To fix yeah. the issue, and, well, and, and it's going to be a vicious cycle. 
Well, and also, even if you don't have issues with your skin, just talking about the damage that we're doing to our skin and our immune system and our our microbiome that we don't uh, completely understand yet, to me, it seems really important to actually make that change, even if you don't have issues. Yeah, and again, that sort of really comes back to, I think, with some of our some of the microbiome research in the skin, anyways, that when you're an adult, it's pretty set. Like it, it there's a bit of an fairly equilibrium now like you've changed it it's it's hard to alter it potentially we don't know that yet um so where again this comes into play is with with babies and children um and you know now whenever i see a patient in my office that has uh, is um has bad eczema i'll say listen you know the, the latest research is when you have children you can prevent them from developing atopic dermatitis and potentially what we call the atopic march, which is then asthma and uh, hay fever-like symptoms and food allergies, if you don't use soap on them, don't use sodium sulfate, and you moisturize them preventatively. Um, and there's you know a great study that was just published last year to prove that, and now they're going to do longer-term studies looking at... Cause you know, the drug companies have all these great drugs now to treat all this inflammation of the skin, but no one's looking at the upstream issues as to why we have so much inflammation in the skin. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it's going to come back to um, microbiome disruption, skin barrier disruption, and but it's well, going to change social norms. Yeah, and when we have, uh, even though there's medication for it, a lot of children with with eczema are still in pain and uncomfortable, or anybody with with you know these issues. So, uh, really, it's more about prevention, and in, in my mind, oh, yeah. of, of yeah. not yeah. having that issue because the medication is still uncomfortable, or you're still uncomfortable yeah. on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of mothers or parents don't know this information because they go to the the beauty, you know, the drugstore mm-hmm. or wherever, and they're going to get something that's. Uh, you mentioned um, earlier that your mom made soap. Now, this is great, but if it's high pH, it's so bad for the skin. And most naturally made milled soaps are high pH because they're made with lye, and that mm-hmm. high pH is very detrimental to uh, the microbiome because remember the microbiome needs an acidic pH and potentially the barrier. So we try to not have patients do that and I think there's a bit of big big push towards go more natural and with the soap aspect it's not a good thing um, the soap has to be pH modified and uh, mm-hmm. um, and and water itself water is quite in certain areas of Canada very alkaline and again the pH of the skin is acidic so we want to have a cleanser that actually helps to bring down the the water uh, alkalis, uh, the alkalicity of the water, and that's there's a if you soften your water, you know you can uh, decrease the the pH of the water. Anyway, there's so many aspects, and it's really fascinating. But there's no doubt that over the course of the last uh, 150 years, we have seen a huge increase in eczema, allergies, hay fever, and and um, they probably most definitely has played a role, or the skin barrier has played a role. Well, yeah, with this discussion, it sounds like it. Um, one thing I want to bring to people's attention that you talk about in your book um, is, you know, you, you list all the 26 top chemicals, um, but of course that changes. You say the beauty industry changes, and you also talk about how... Um, 
if a natural product works, um, it can, the label can change. I've actually had this happen mm-hmm. to me where I used something for years and all of a sudden I was reacting to it and I, mm-hmm. you know, found online, they changed their, their mm-hmm. recipe and then I couldn't yep. use it anymore. Um, so it, it's important for people to be aware of that. If you think you have a safe regime to just stay on top of it, especially if you start to have reactions again. Yeah. And then on that point, um, you can use something for many, many times and uh, after months of use, develop an allergy because people often equate it to a first-time exposure. And it's mm-hmm. the reverse. Allergy comes with repeat exposure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So it's probably something you've used for a long time and you think is safe because, oh, I've been using this shampoo for five years, so why would it matter where that might exactly. actually be the issue because of the overuse? Exactly. Yeah. There's um, all these preconceived um, misconceptions with respect to allergy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and with them rising, I think we do need to understand them more. Uh, So thank you for bringing that information forward. And I know your book is a great reference. And then your website as well, you say in your book that you keep that up to date. So can you give us that information so people can can find, um, you know, your website? Well, it's basically just my name, drsandyscottnicky.com. But if you if you just Google Beyond Soap, it'll it'll come up. Um, but that's where I, I have um, all my links. I, I do a blog. Um, you mentioned the top 26. It was the top 26 allergens and fragrance molecules that are that are regulated in Europe and required to be put on labels in Europe. Um, and um, I don't think those will change. They're actually adding more, another 130. Um, okay. But the, the allergens... The things that people become allergic to change from year to year because the beauty industry brings things in and takes them out, right? I mean, the part of the reason we had the huge increase in reactions to this one preservative called MI was because of the pressure to take out parabens. So companies started to take out parabens because of the fear of endocrine disruption, and then they put in this MI preservative, which caused a huge um, uh, outbreak of allergic reactions. So there's there's ebbs and flows in what in skincare is problematic, and that's you know when you publish a book, it's it's it's, it's going to change. So yeah, yeah. So we'll <laughs> By the that, time you to, were done writing, it was probably had changed. Yeah. So which is the lovely thing about the internet is we we don't have to go that book's out to date. We can still read your book, understand the information, and then find the updated list on your website, which is great. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, wa- I want to thank you uh, for joining me today. I, I really love uh, this this topic, and, and I'm glad that we were able to share it. Well, thank you very much for the insightful questions. It's um, it's nice to, to get a long format to really delve in and, and chat about things. And, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope my book helps people. It already has, and I hope it continues to. And uh, uh, I thank you for inviting me. It's very nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, for anybody who wants more information on my story or my journey back to health, you can find that on my blog site at dr-risk.com. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can always send me an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.